The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, January 25th, 2021. The woman in your life will do what she must do To comfort you and calm you down And let you rest now The woman in your life, she can rest so easily She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and my co-producer. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. My goodness, we finally had a little rain here in Sonoma County. Well, this morning I have a very special guest, a regular here on Women's Spaces. Joining me on the phone this morning will be Dr. Harriet Fraud. Dr. Fraud is a mental health counselor and hypnotherapist in practice in New York City. She is a well-established author and writes about the pressures on families and the economics of the United States of America. She is also a regular guest on Dr. Richard Wolff's Economic Update and his show, which airs on KBBF 89. FM every Tuesday from 11 to 12 p.m. Well, this show, we will be talking about the most recent attack on the capital of the United States of America and also the inauguration. What, oh my goodness, what an event that was. It was just amazing. Also, this is the last Monday of the month, and so we'll be doing the Women's Spaces Pledge. You know, I have to tell you the experience I had when I heard Lady Gaga sing the national anthem. I never particularly liked the national anthem. I've always wanted God Bless America to be the, the, to be the anthem for our country. But when Lady Gaga sang that song and she lifted her hand to the flag and I saw that the flag was still there, all of a sudden I just almost had a flash all the way back to 1782. You know, when we were winning, when we ended the revolution. In fact, I want to remind you, on November 30th, 1782, the American Revolutionary War Treaty of Paris. In Paris, representatives from the United States and Great Britain signed the preliminary peace articles, which were later formalized in 1783 by the Treaty of Paris. Just 20 days later, France transferred the same land to the United States as the Louisiana Purchase. Think about that. And then on Wednesday, January 6th, that was almost taken away from us. When I think of the possibility of this, that if it was successful, to be honest with you, I shudder. What was interesting, I went to see, you know, I like to look up days. I like to see what's what's important about this day, what holiday is being celebrated. And I found out that on January 6th, every year, sometimes it falls on a, you know, Wednesday, sometimes it can fall on a Saturday. But every year on January 6th, there's a major Christian celebration called Epiphany. And it's celebrated, like I said, on January 6th, and it commemorates the presentation, listen to this, of the infant Jesus to the Magi, or the three wise men. In some countries, it may be known as Three Kings Day, 
What was so interesting to me as I read about this day, it is acknowledgement by these three kings that indeed the Prince of Peace had been born. Well, what I have to say is shame on those who were violent on that day. And you know, there are always signs in my mind when something is right and should be or something is wrong and should not be. And what happened at that capital should have never happened in our country. I hope all of you think about this one, particularly those who thought violence and conquering was the answer, not love and collaboration. Not love and collaboration. We need to understand what happened and some of the history behind it and perhaps look at some steps we can take to make sure it does not happen again. We need to live the promise of America, which is liberty and justice for all. Liberty and justice for all. That means everybody. So there's a lot to think about right now. You know, a lot of gossip, a lot of different opinions. I mean, the problem we have with our media is we get so many different opinions, we don't know which way to go. And for me... The way that I judge things is if I look if it's doing harm. If it's doing harm, then it's not right. So there's a lot to think about, and I am so grateful. I am so grateful that it did not, our country was not taken over. I mean, I just think about it. Like I said, I shudder. And I think all of us need to be thinking about that and paying attention You know, this was a sedition. You know, before we were just listening to Reverend Barber. And it was so interesting. He said that hundreds were arrested for praying nonviolently. And these people were violent, breaking windows, threatening to kill our representatives that we, in a democracy, voted in. And Lord knows how difficult it was these last few years to vote I mean, it's just been a wild ride. So there's a lot to think about. And I hope Dr. Fraud and, uh, answers some of our questions. I mean, it's kind of going to be an in-depth, in-depth interview. And to be honest, I'm a little bit nervous about listening to what she's going to say. But we'll just hold on to our hats and move forward. Well, also today is the last Monday of the month. Can you believe it? The last Monday in January already. And, of course, we're going to do the Women's Spaces Pledge. But before that, I have two historic women that I want to talk about really quickly. And today is January 25th. Well, in January 25th, 1890, Nellie Bly, a journalist, completed her round-the-world trip in 72 days, 6 hours, 11 minutes, and 14 seconds after setting sail east to prove she could circle the globe in less than 80 days. What an amazing experience, Nellie Bly, my goodness. And it's very interesting because there was a movie called Around the World in 80 Days, and I believe it was based on what happened, what Nellie Bly did. And then on January 29, 1926, Violet Nearly Anderson is the first black woman to practice law before the United States Supreme Court. Isn't that amazing? The first black woman to practice law in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. Ladies, we are standing 
on the shoulders of many great women. And we must recognize that. We must acknowledge that. And here we are celebrating in 2020 the 100th anniversary since we women, we the women, were authorized across the nation to vote. And here we are in 2021, and we just wore in our first woman vice president, Kamala Harris. And I want to say over the airs, Kamala, you are standing on the shoulders of many, many great women. You will be an example for many. Put the future of our children in every decision you make. If you do that, the country is going to come out a lot stronger than it feels like now. Lots to think about. And let me tell you something. I think a little bit too much sometimes. You know, being a great grandmother has really put me into a dither. Before I left for the show this morning, I was looking at the picture I have. I have a picture of my granddaughter, my great-granddaughter, and my daughter, my, my daughter-in-law, <laughs> my granddaughter-in-law. Three beautiful women. We are four generations of women now. And it means more to me now to work for peace and justice than it ever has. I want to help in my own way to secure some kind of future for her. And I also want it to happen that later on when I'm not on this world and they talk about their grandmother, I want them to say at least she tried to make a difference. She paid attention to the world. She voted. She stood up for what she believed was right. And also she did a radio and television show. I might as well throw that one in too. Anyway, lots to think about. And ladies, we have a lot of power. Collectively, we can do miracles. Divided, forget it. And I appeal to all those white women who they say voted for the past president. Start thinking about what you are voting for, who you are, and what future you want for your children before you make decisions. And if you have the energy to stand up in the way that you stood up at the Capitol, take that energy and turn it into working for peace, working for love, working to secure a positive, strong future for our children. Well, on a positive note or a happy note or whatever you want to call it, let's do the Women's Spaces Pledge. Why do I do this pledge every month? Why? You know how many cards I passed out? I called up uh, the place that I do the printing, and I asked them, how many cards did I have I purchased? And it added up to 7,000. Seven, over a little over 7,000. So over 7,000 people have that little pledge in their hand. And why do I, why do I think it's important? Because as women, we have to stand up. We have to stand up and be heard, and we have to develop strong self-esteem. We cannot allow ourselves to be considered second-class citizens. So let's do the pledge. Would you join me, Ken, so kindly? I will. 
Well, thank you so much. You know, I got to I got to do a shout out for Ken. He is with me every Monday behind the scenes engineer. Right now we've got a new computer and he's kind of pulling out his hair, but it's it's wonderful and we'll be able to do even more things. But I want to thank you, Ken. I want to thank you over the air for helping me and supporting me in this effort. You know something, men are wonderful in our lives when they're supportive, not dominating, if you know what I mean. Okay, and trust me, I've had a few dominating ones, but I'm a hard one. <laughs> I'm a hard one. But we're doing fine, so thank you, my friend. Anyway, let's, let's do the pledge. I'm going to say it first. If you're in the car, just relax, you know, don't close your eyes or anything. If you're at home, you know, maybe find yourself a comfortable chair, kind of sit back and relax. And I'm going to just say it once. I'm just going to say it once through, and then I'm going to say it where you repeat it after me. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. I'm almost getting ready to change higher power to creator. Because I like, I like both of them, but creator, that which creates all. Such a beautiful thought. Okay, so just join me. I'm going to say a line, repeat it after me, and go on to the next line. Let's go. My self-esteem, my self-esteem does not depend, does not depend on anything, on anything outside of me. Outside of me, my self-esteem, my self-esteem depends, depends on my relationship, on my relationship with myself, with myself and my higher power, and my higher power relationship with myself. You know, you don't live with anybody else but yourself. You know, I mean, you, there's people around you, judging you, talking to you, doing all kinds of things. But you really have to go within yourself to hear your own inner voice, your own inner dialogue. It's very, very important. So I'm going to say it one more time, and then we're going to take a musical break. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. And I'm going to share a little secret with everybody out there. You know, oftentimes I've heard, oh, Elaine, that's too airy-fairy, that pledge. Well, I want to tell you something. I spent years, years in therapy trying to overcome low self-esteem, trying to be able to look in the mirror and say, you know, Elaine, you're okay. You deserve to be here. And when I did that pledge for my grandson, that was the message I wanted to give him. That his self-esteem does not matter with a teacher or a friend or anything. It depends on how he builds that self-relationship with himself. Very, very important. And also, if you want to see the pledge or you want to get a copy of it, go on www.womenspaces.com. All you have to do is put your cursor on the uh, on the women's spaces, hit copy, and go to your word processor, and you can print it out. I say that pledge at least twice a day. And sometimes I say it, like, for example, when I'm calling somebody for an interview or maybe I have an issue that I have to debate somebody with or I want something, I always remind myself that I have the right to ask, I have the right to speak out, and I have a right to be me. And that is what that pledge is all about. 
My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. Well, we're going to take a musical break. And, you know, we're going to have a very in-depth discussion with Dr. Harriet Fraud about the what happened at the Capitol and maybe have some ideas about how we can move forward that she might be able to offer to us, particularly around what women can do and what how this is affecting actually women and children. So what I thought I would do is I would play this wonderful song. We're all familiar with it. It's called What the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love. And it's sung, I love this, it's sung by Broadway for Orlando. And this is the song needed to remind us humans the power of love and the power of coming together with purpose and determination with the idea of liberty and justice for all. Ooh, I love that. Liberty and justice for all. When we return, I will be talking with Dr. Harriet Fraud, who is a mental health counselor and hypnotherapist in practice in New York City. Dr. Fraud is also a regular guest on Dr. Richard Wolf's economic update. We'll be talking about the history and implications of the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. Go ahead, Ken. Let's play If the world, What the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love. But for everyone, Lord, we don't need another mountain. There are mountains and hillsides enough to climb. There are oceans and rivers enough to cross, enough to last, enough to last till the end of time. Just for some, but for 
guess what the world need now is love, sweet love. What is love? You know, when you think about it, you know, Valentine's is coming up. It's more than just a Valentine's card. Love is acceptance. Love is accepting your neighbor, appreciating each one for their diversity, for their contributions. Amazing. Well, for you folks just joining in, I want to remind my listeners that the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the, the opinions of the station, its board of directors, members, or women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You are listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt. And without further ado, joining me on the phone is Dr. Harriet Fraud. Welcome, Dr. Fraud. Welcome once again to Women's Spaces. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Elaine. Well, I hope you enjoyed that song because it just yes. inspired me. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. And what we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about how to bring more love into this world. Mm. But but before we begin, can I just tell folks just a little bit about you? Sure. Dr. Harriet Fraud is a mental health counselor and hypnotherapist in private practice in New York City. She has been in practice for 46 years. She writes and speaks on the intersection of politics, economics, and personal life in the United States of America. Her work can be found on her website, HarrietFraud.com. That's H-A-R-R-I-E-T-F-R-A-A-D.com. Her podcast, Capitalism Hits Home, now with Juliana Falonu, can be found at her website, HarrietFraud.com, and DemocracyWork.info, as well as on YouTube. Her newest podcast with Max Golding is directed to the psychotherapy community. It is called It's Not Just in Your Head. I love that. It's not just in your head. Harriet Fraud appears as regularly guest on Economic Update, 100 radio stations, as well as the David Feldman Show at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Monday on WBA and on the Internet. She appears regularly on our show here on Women's Spaces at KBBF in Sonoma County and North San Francisco. Her latest written work appears in Knowledge, Class, and Economics, New York, Rutledge, 2019. Dr. Fraud was the founding mother of the Women's Liberation Movement in New Haven, Connecticut, and has been an activist her entire life. Wow, that is such a wonderful resume, Harriet. Would you like to add anything else? No, that's good. I'd like to get right into our topic. (laughs) Okay. A bit about January 6th and then moving forward to the inauguration. It was a real experience for me when Lady Gaga sang the national anthem. What was your thought about that, Harriet, when you you listened to the national anthem and you looked at the whole inauguration, what they were trying to bring across? Well, I loved it, and I particularly loved seeing Bernie sitting there with his homemade (laughs) mittens not his designer wear, doing the usual thing. Because it said, okay, okay, on with the ceremony. I mean business. Let's change. Let's make this a fairer America. But Biden is a great improvement, and I felt inspired by the poem and by Lady Gaga and by the fact that Trump didn't steal the election. I know. It was just amazing. And and you know what I found so interesting, too, when Garth Brooke found sang amazing grace and he had mm. everybody sing those last two yes. verses it was almost like we were making a pledge to 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 rise above all this and to be start becoming a better country yes indeed and, and they, also to hold those accountable 
who have ripped us off. Exactly. And and also the young woman, I mean, reading Amanda that beautiful Gorman. poem. Yeah. You know, one of the things I'd like to encourage my listeners to go on the Internet and, and find it and read it. I mean, it, it is so, so powerful. It is just really powerful. Mm. Well, well, Harriet, let's talk about what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. What, ampa- what impact do you think that had on the country? I mean, I think of it as a wake-up call. But then all of a sudden, when I read in the paper that it looks like it's going to be another Mitch McConnell, Obama kind of experience, I start really getting concerned. What, what is your thought? Well, my thought is that, listen up, everybody. There's things we have to deal with here. There's a whole bunch of enraged people overwhelmingly men who feel that they've been robbed because capitalists exported their jobs to China, manufacturing in America was exported, men's family wages that allowed them to have women at home dependent on them and doing all the housework, childcare, emotional work, and sexual work have disappeared, that 70% of the divorces are now initiated by women, and there's a whole lot of angry men who want to be taken care of and can't admit it, but they feel robbed, and robbed of their white supremacy, robbed of their male supremacy, and they want to take it back. And they've found Donald Trump, the sort of thief-in-chief and the liar-in-chief, and the chauvinist-in-chief, and they agree with him. America doesn't want me. I'll take her anyway, just like all those 26 women who have sued him. And these are men who need help, I mean, and who are angry and violent as the male stereotype goes, the macho stereotype that you don't show need and you don't show hurt, you show rage. Because that's a manly emotion. You know, a a friend of mine who uh, hates that violence and believes in love put an ad in Christian Mingle that said, I want a real man, a man who dares to break the rules, a power man, send me a picture. And then she matched them up with the pictures in the Capitol and knocked out 22 guys who were so macho that they went to the Capitol to smash things because they felt they were real men. And I think that one of the things the media hasn't talked about is the rage that these men have because they can't cope with a gender landscape in which they are no longer supreme or a racial landscape in which they're no longer supreme. And... You know, they're like the men's rights people who are different. Father's rights are fathers who want to care for their children. It's a beautiful movement. Men's rights are these groups that now want to repeal the 19th Amendment where we got to vote because they want women in their place underneath men. So what they're doing then, what you're saying is, is that here we have these issues in our government that are so horrendous and they're blaming it on women. And That's they're, right. They're blaming they're, it. They're blaming it on the system, 
and they're violent against it rather than standing up, tr- learning to negotiate, you know, forming coalitions that work for peace. I mean, there's all kinds right. of things that we can do. Of course there are. And there are these angry men who have not really understood what's happened to them, except that they're, they feel robbed and they are dethroned from the male supremacist white supremacist thrones on which they've sat dominating and they're furious and trump is their voice and trump expressed their anger for them you know emotion is a very important part of life and everyone has to face that was one of the beautiful things about um gorman's poem or about lady gaga her voice emotion is important and trump conveyed their emotion of outrage and victimization and we have to we have to do something to make america a country of peace both externally and also internally let people communicate with each other express the emotions of loss that they've had and give them a way to be found in community with other people well you know, you know, and one other one other thought as we're talking here. You know what? You know there were a lot of women that were involved too. In fact, yes, there were. There's a lot of women who want a dominant, violent, or at least a dominant man to be in charge, and they don't have to take any responsibility for their lives because they they can blame their life on a man, and they can also have him take responsibility. So, so it must be it must be very very interesting. You know, there was a there was a painting that came out on Facebook. I don't know if you saw it. it was just beautiful with all the different fashions that Michelle Obama wore yeah. and that J Lo wore and that uh, Lady Gaga wore and Doctor uh, Doctor Biden and also Kamala Harris who wore purple in honor yeah. of, of 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 Shirley Chisholm, which I thought was absolutely wonderful, adorable, and 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 very very powerful. And I mean, she she just articulates so well. You know, what What do you think, do you, so that your idea is, or your thought is, and I, I tend to agree with it, that, that Trump was just kind of up there being a voice for what was happening. And we, we need to really pay attention to that, because these are angry people, and on many, many levels, even mm. though the way they acted it out was maybe not the correct way, but still no. at the same point, they're justified. Well, they have, their anger is justified. Right. How they express it is outrageous and unjustified. And they don't understand it, and they don't have a strong enough progressive vision to understand it and to act on it. Now, they did. Bernie was very popular when he spoke on Fox News. That's why they never had him back, because he expressed their anger but gave them another vision of what to do. And I think people are angry. And I think they have been robbed of an American dream where they could have a family that was based on stable jobs, where their kids could have a better future than they did, where that America that disappeared in the 1970s when the capitalists decide to export manufacturing jobs overseas and all sorts of white-collar jobs as well. And they... They don't, because of red-baiting and anti-communism, they didn't have a left vision of how they'd been robbed. So they, and Trump gave them the idea everyone beneath them had robbed them, whether it's the poor refugee trying to leave because their climate has become un- 
impossible or that their poverty is impossible, so the poor refugees or the immigrants or women or blacks who were always, or brown people, always below the white male from really in our history until that began to change in the 1970s with the women's movement, with the civil rights movement, and progressive politics, which swept our country at that time, the opposition to the war in Vietnam, and powerful left movements. But, you know, we, we don't have what the European countries like France and Germany and Sweden and all the other Scandinavian ones and Denmark have, which is strong socialist parties. Well, let me that, let... They have good programs for daycare and after-school care and good sex education and early childhood education. Well, you know, it's it's interesting when you say that. You know, I was I was looking at I was made I made a list of the left and the right. The left wants the child care, Medicare for all. You know, mm. jobs for everybody, and the and, and the right, which is the right way, right? They they oppose all this, and and also what was what I found so interesting about this Capitol riot, or it, I would call it a sedation. Uh, you saw our president, you saw his lawyers, you saw his family, I mean, his kids, his sons, inciting yeah. people. You know, I, I, I couldn't believe it, and the thought of, of losing our country was overwhelming to me. What what do you think should be the outcome for that? You know, what, what do you think this should be, I hate to use the word, but I will, a, you know, a consequences rather than punishment? What, what well, would, I think there have, first of all, the consequences have to be felt by those people who orchestrated, whoever pulled the panic buttons out of Ayanna Presley's office, whoever directed the mob to where they thought AOC was, or Pelosi, or any of the squad, whoever did the reconnaissance of the Capitol and gave these people maps, whoever, like Ginny Thomas, Clarence Thomas's wife, who sub, who supported 80 buses to the Capitol and gave them aid and comfort to an enemy of our Constitution. You know, Those that's people, never mentioned. You know, that's... that's no, ne- they wiped her Facebook clean, and she's never mentioned, but it came out before it was scrubbed off the Internet. They have to get the people who made this possible first, and then they can get people who broke the rules and smashed the windows and stole things and crapped on the floor and beat up cops and killed people. But the instigators, like that um, woman from Colorado who had several offenses, she has a prison sheet from carrying her gun in inappropriate places and stuff, who seems to be behind the reconnaissance tours. Since the Capitol was closed because of COVID, a congressperson had to sponsor a tour, and it looks like she sponsored the tours, which were observed by others because they looked mighty like reconnaissance tours. And I mean, it was a map. had maps. Wasn't that, I mean, to me, that was one of the most stunning, stunning things. 
Oh, Harriet, we're going to take a musical break real quickly now. We have a little two-minute song here that I'm going to have uh, bring on the air. It's sung by Earth Mama called Gather the Women. And the reason I chose this call, because it is so important that women come together. I felt so sad when I saw how violent these women were. You know, yeah. I felt I felt really bad. I thought, what kind of example are they giving their children? What kind of generations are coming forward? And it's very very important that as women we come together in the name of peace and justice because without justice you cannot have peace That's without ju- and justice for all you know that was that was the whole beauty of of listening especially you know amazing grace and listening to this land is your land you know mm-hmm. reminding us that we live in a country supposedly that's supposed to be free and when we come back folks we will be continuing our conversation with Dr. Harriet Fraud. So let's go ahead, Ken, and let's play Gather the Women, sung by uh, Earth Mama. I love Earth Mama. She, you know, I actually uh, interviewed her once. So let's go ahead. What the world needs now is love, sweet. Oh, no, we're going to play uh, Gather the Women. And country sizes and shapes, beauty abounds. We are the ones, we are the ones, we are the ones we have waited for. Gather the women, wisdom and song, honoring spirit, feminine race, waited so long. We are the ones, we are the ones we have waited Sizes and shapes, beauty abounds. We are the ones, we are the ones, we are the ones we have waited for. We are the ones, we are the ones, we are the ones we have I just, I just want to remind people that we are, women are 50%, a little over 50% of the population. We are many women strong out there. And a special shout out to our new Vice President Kamala Harris. Yes. May she help bring forth the dreams of all the women who struggle for peace and women's rights and children's rights. We have a long, we have come a long way. We have a long way to go, but yeah. we still need to celebrate ourselves. So, we do. We really do. So but welcome back. Wait, wait a minute, Harry. Welcome back. You are listening to Women's Spaces. I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm in conversation with Dr. Harriet Fraud. Go ahead, Harriet. We also do have to hold accountable Charles Flynn, Michael Flynn's brother, and Trump, 
who didn't call out the National Guard to help those policemen as they were getting beaten. And whoever it is that sent out 500 police people when they have a force of 2,000 and left them there to be beaten up and hold the fort when they couldn't. Those are the people, the people who are instrumental in making this happen, that I think have to be held accountable for sedition in um, the 14th Amendment, Article 3, it says anyone committing sedition, opposing the, you know, destroying the constitutional liberties of America, or those who give aid and comfort to them, are committing sedition. That's sedition. You know, when you when you think about it, though, you know, when you think about the horrific of how horrible it was, I mean, I, yeah. I, I still when I when I it goes, the the images go through my mm-hmm. brain and they got worse. And worse. How do you think? How was security breached like that? I mean, what what do you think actually happened? I mean, do you have any vision or? Yes, I do. There was a, someone in the FBI quashed two reports, one from Norfolk, Virginia, and two from the New York area which said this will be a huge, violent demonstration. Get ready. There was such a contrast between the peaceful demonstration for Black Lives Matter led by shielded, hooded soldiers and this violent mob with only policemen without even shields around to help them because it was orchestrated that they would be able to get away with this. And Trump sat in his security tent after saying, I'll be right with you. He sat in his security tent cheering and then waited two hours before he made the call for the National Guard while the police were being beaten and other people were being beaten. And the the whole world could see that America, the fortress, the most armed country in the world, could have its capital invaded by an angry mob. Well, that's very interesting when you think of it in that context. America that calls itself the strongest country in the world to have this happen. And, you know, what's also so interesting to me is that uh, Vice President, uh, former Vice President Mike Pence was so loyal to, uh, to the president and here he was being threatened to be hung. And when I think about that one gentleman, that one African American policeman who led people away from that door. Yes. I think of, I, I actually, I, I'm sorry I don't have his name in front of me, but actually they're going to give him the Medal of Honor, which I think Gordon, is. Gordon, I think was his last name, but I, I know who you mean. Yeah, it was a, an amazing feat. I mean, if there's, if there's such a thing as spirituality or a creator or something, I mean, that, right. that created that moment and when i thought of nancy you know nancy pelosi was there and i mean all that all i can't even i i don't even want to go there when i think of it but people have to think about that this is our country we enjoy when we get up in the morning we can go anywhere we want we can do whatever we want we have to recognize that all the freedoms that we have and that they were absolutely in jeopardy in they were that all in jeopardy they well, were what what do you think it represents? I mean, you know, what you, you're talking about the world. I mean, people looking at the United States saying, what the heck is going on there? Mm. I think what it represents is that we have an out-of-control right-wing group of terrorists that have been encouraged by our president who committed sedition, that we have... Former you know, president. So the FBI had a whole unit on black terrorism then when it was obvious that black people weren't terrorizing 
it's white terrorists that are the problem. They changed the title to interracial terrorism. <laughs> it didn't say white supremacist terrorism. We have to face that we have white supremacist terrorism and male supremacist terrorism in this country. And we have to address it. And we've had a president who encouraged it. And people can see, oh, America is vulnerable. Our, her defenses are weakened. And we haven't had a left opposition that was encouraged and built up. In fact, it was squashed in the 50s and started again in 2011 and then was crushed under Obama in 2011. Occupy was crushed. That we need to understand that the left isn't our problem here. It's right-wing terrorism. And we have to stop being so anti-communist that we worry about any kind of socialistic possibility. Well, it's, it's really... Allow these people. It's really interesting, you know, when I hear the word socialistic possibilities, what we're really talking about is strong social programs so people yes. can survive on our planet. We can, I mean, why are people, you know, you're putting, you know, people are so, you know, I hate to use this word, but I will. It is stupid to yeah. put this in a box, you know, socialism. Oh, it's bad to have child care. It's bad to have Medicare for everybody. It's bad to have safe, you know, have our infrastructure safe. It's it's bad to have controls on all our foods and 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 our medicines. I mean, right. what are you talking about? I mean, you're you going to call- that is anti-communist out of controlness. You know, the Tommy Tuberville from <coughs> Alabama said <coughs> how he gets all choked up when he thinks of how his father fought in World War II against socialism. No, World War II was anti-fat. It was against fascism. And the best time of America in recent history was the New Deal. Socialism, big government, took the money from the top and distributed for social programs, and when the private sector wouldn't give jobs, the government gave people jobs at decent pay, doing useful things. It's amazing. Starting with Reagan, they convinced people that big government had to be bad rather than wrong big government is bad, and that social programs were a communist traitor activity rather than what... All of Scandinavia and the Netherlands and Europe has, you know, the, we have to wake up. Well, socialist, social programs are far removed from any communism or socialism in a way when you start thinking it this way. Well, let's talk about our new day, Harriet. Yes. <laughs> we have a new day and I really I just I just love the way you analyze things and you put them into such a, a wonderful perspective. Ken sitting here making all kinds of notes, you know, <laughs> thinking this is just really amazing. Well we have a new president and hey, the first woman vice the first woman vice president, not only a, a, a woman but a woman of color and several different ethnic groups. What do you believe? What's what 
what has to, what steps have to be taken? I know the first step is we got to make all these people, these seditionists, we have to make them accountable. We yes, have to get to the core. But what are some ideas? I mean, I mean, Biden, this has been his first day in office, you know, and they're talking about him signing all these different, I'm so happy he's back in the Paris Biden. Accord. Yeah. What, what, what do you think are some of the steps that they have to take? And, and what do you think some of their challenges are going to be? I mean, how do you take a country where you have 74 million people that voted for a man who didn't even have a platform? I mean, they, he even blatantly... They voted their rage. And I think what you'd have to do is take that now they say it's only 17 million people that are unemployed, but they don't count the people whose unemployment insurance ran out. They don't count the people who have part-time jobs but need full-time jobs. They don't count the people who've given up um, so that it's a lot more. We have the worst depression since the Great Depression of the 1930s, 1929, and what we'd have to do is learn from our own history. We'd have to hire the equivalent now. It would be 22 million people to build roads, to build schools, to teach children, to make artworks, to do all the things that they did in the New Deal and give people decent salaries and get the money from the top. America has more billionaires than any other country. What do you need billions of dollars for? That's crazy. And so that we need to tax the top and create possibilities of work and decent lives for the mass of our people and not let rent gougers take their homes. You know, in France, which is a capitalist country also, but with a very strong socialist wing and also a communist party and also a fascist party, but they have a rule. No one can be evicted between December and March because it's too cold. You know, you have to start mitigating, changing the total reign of profit in our country and put into the equation caring for our people, not allowing them to just eat pesticides, taking the basic commodities that they need to live like healthy food and clean air and a place to live that's safe and not allowing those to just be in the market for as much as you can get. Those have to be regulated so people can live well, that, the way that, they are in the Netherlands and all over Scandinavia. That was, But that was the issue around the Reagan when he said it's not the... Uh, it's not the uh, he said it was the government's problem. I forgot what he said. The first, the first part of that was. Yeah, it's the big government that's the problem. Right, no, it isn't. It isn't. It, 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 we have to have a. You know, it says we the people. I mean, people have to understand that we the people. We pay taxes. People, maybe people don't understand that that we pay taxes, so they'll take care of us. And you know, it's really interesting. We just had an election. We just had an election here in uh, Santa Rosa. Uh, a young man by the name of Eddie Alvarez uh, won. It was in uh, District One here. We finally went into district elections, and it's really, it's really a big, big deal. And and there was a, an email. 
email thread, and he was asking, I mean, he's just, uh, he's one of these people, the open heart, open mind, you know, he's asking people, what does he think that we, he should do that would make his job more fulfilling for them? And what I wrote him was, is I thought, I said, the first thing you might be able to do, Eddie, is when you have to make a decision, why not send out to your constituents an yeah. email and make, to have a vote? I mean, exactly. we have computers. These guys are sitting in Congress and the Senate. We vote them, and they vote for their corporate, their sponsors, not for the people who voted for them, when all they have to do is hit a, a computer switch, tell one of their assistants, say, hey, send this out to the people. Let me, let me, get, a, let me get a pulse to see what's happening. You right. know? And I think, that would be, I think that would be very helpful, and I think it would take a lot of burden off of politicians, and it would give us more accountability. I mean, what do you think of that idea? I think it's a great idea, and I think what you'd have to do is what most of Europe does, and Scandinavia and the Netherlands, which is have two months for electing, you know, for elections, not start immediately. The last elections combining Congress and the presidency cost $14 billion. You shouldn't allow any private money in elections. You should give all the candidates an equal amount of time to run. And even in France, you're not allowed to have any TV ads. You have two months to run. And by the way, they get 89% of their people voting. People who have real choices are more likely to vote. And in some countries, it's also mandatory to vote. But, you know, you you have to do that. You can't have a pay-to-play system or else people will cater to those people who pay them. And we have to remember it's Reagan who killed Head Start. Head Start for all had passed and Reagan vetoed it. Well, Harriet Fraud, I hate to say this, but we're coming to the last three minutes of our show. It's amazing how quickly it goes by, and yeah. my, what a great, what a great conversation! So, I want to give you a time uh, for last words, or and to give your website and anything that's in your heart that you would like to say. And I really want to thank you for being being a regular on this show and giving us such great, great ideas and thought thought provoking ideas that maybe it will help us all think a little bit different and move in a little bit better direction. What I want to say is don't be afraid of the word socialist because the Netherlands are socialistic. So is Sweden, Denmark, Norway, Finland, Iceland, France. Don't let them red bait you out of good ideas. Take things that you want to see and try to make them happen because Trump did wake us all up and say, uh-oh, we better get active about what we believe, because look what could happen. And so get active on the things you believe in. And don't be afraid if somebody calls it socialistic. Look and see whether it works the way you want it to. Right. And think of social program. Social for your good and the for good of your children. For good of you, your children, and all of us, you're correct. Well, thank you so much, Harriet Fraud. Give us your website one more time. Okay. Harriet, H-A-R-R-I-E-T, F-R-A-A, F-R-A-A-D, dot com. Thank you, Dr. Harriet Fraud, for such a wonderful, wonderful show. This is a great 
program you have, and thank you for allowing me to join you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, yes. folks, that's it for our show. Special thank you to Dr. Harriet Fraud, who is a psychotherapist and hypnotherapist in private practice in New York. She is a founding member of the feminist movement for over 40 years. She has been speaking out for women. A reminder, tell your friends, uh, Women's Spaces will be aired again at 11 p.m. To this evening. I'm so excited. I love listening to my own program. Also, I'm available for speaking engagements, and if you have any announcements, a wedding, a, a birthday, whatever, give me a call or email me at elaine at womenspaces.com. Remember, our children are the future, and we must never lose that sight. It is so important. It is so important that we pay attention and we stand up for justice and peace. This is Elaine B. Holtz, and you have been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. Previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, January 25th, 2021.